Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to our 15th edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorcycle program on the internet. This is episode 169 of the series, and we're standing by for the opening promo to play, as we have for the past few weeks. Sometimes it gets a little confused. Hi, this is Ryan Rupka. Hi, this is Ryan Rupka, driver of the number 14 Reynolds Racing Chassis Late Model. You're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Mullally, who's unfortunately not with us again this week, and myself will be talking about sports car racing, more specifically the Michelin Pilot Challenge, as well as the Trans Am Series, and chatting about whatever other motorsports topic comes into the conversation. First off, we'd be remiss if we did not wish our best wishes and thoughts and prayers and all that to Dale Learnhardt Jr. and his family who were involved in a, in a pretty horrific um, crash at the uh, just outside of Bristol this afternoon in their airplane. Fortunately, they all seem to be okay. I know Dale Earnhardt Jr. himself was admitted to the hospital. No word on his wife or their young daughter. But they were all involved in the in the crash. There is nothing left of the aircraft. Uh, it looks like it burned pretty much to the ground after it after it exited the runway at the airport there. So. Not a good way to start his weekend at Bristol. I don't know if he'll actually be broadcasting this weekend or what, but we shall see. Hopefully he'll be back on his feet later this evening and all set for a weekend of racing, and he'll have a nice story to share with his with his daughter and his wife and all that, his two pilots and pretty much everybody else there at Dale Earnhardt Jr. Motorsports. It's going to be an interesting weekend of racing this weekend. There's all sorts of stuff going on. There's all sorts of amazing racing news that's happening as well. Not only the uh, the crash of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s aircraft this afternoon, although that did dominate the uh, internet for a while there today. Um, also, the big news in the world of NASCAR is the fact that the uh, Levine family racing and Matt DiBenedetto will be parting ways at the end of this season. There are all sorts of rumors as to who the next driver will be there at Levine Family Racing. Um, the, the, the primary rumor right now is the fact that the, uh, the team will be re, reworking in the offseason and going to a closer alliance with, uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing, although there hasn't been any confirmation of that, and I wouldn't expect it to be in confirmation for some time. So... There's also a bunch of stuff going on, on the internet from other drivers who were, uh, who were questioned about the ride, some of which went, got a little too personal. There was some some talk of, uh, of uh, pretty bad things going on on Twitter this afternoon. If you were following that at all today, you know it got pretty heated. Um, also, in the world of NASCAR, the, uh, David Reagan announced his retirement, basically, from, uh, from NASCAR, full-time competition anyway, effective at the end of this year. Uh, he and Front Row Motorsports have been working together for several years now. Um, 
It is surprising. David Reagan is only 33 years of age. I actually thought he was a little bit older than that. Um, but he commented that he wants to spend more time with his family. Uh, you can take that whatever he will. I know that that is generally as an excuse in the entertainment industry as well as in sports. Um, so you never know. Um, I know there's there's probably a lot of truth to that, uh, but there's also a the fact that Reagan never really got a great opportunity in NASCAR. He uh, he raced for uh, for Robert Yates Racing when he first came into the series when he took over from Dale Dale Jarrett, um, and he did really well there, but he didn't do as well as as they were hoping, and his career went down from there. Anyone who knows anything about uh, Front row more sports knows they're not exactly a top tier team, although they they are a really really good team. Um, they're not a top tier team, and and the uh, if you check out their their pits and everything else, you'll you'll be able to tell what I mean by that. Um, they use a lot of they reuse a lot of things that Hendrick Motorsports and other other major teams would would tend to get rid of. Um, they're not the not the highest tech, not the most amazing stuff going on there in the garage area for them. But they do try their best. They have had some victories, um, which is a great thing for for them. And it'll be interesting to see who shows up there in Front Row Motorsports next season. Personally, I think Matt DiMattadeno might end up showing up there. Uh, it all depends on what his uh, his interest is in the sport. I know that there's been some talk today, again, about the fact that there are a lot of great drivers out there and not a great lot of great teams. Uh, Christopher Bell brought up the fact that people, even like Carl Edwards, might be in the series still if there were other opportunities. Personally, I don't buy that. I think uh, Edwards his own story, and he left for his own reasons. So, But the, it does have a point. Uh, there are a lot of amazing drivers out there, a lot of great drivers, powerful guys and women who uh, who can do a lot of great things in the sport if they were given the opportunity. Again, we've discussed that, that sort of thing at length here on this program in the past, the fact that the uh, the opportunity is not necessarily out there unless you bring a big pile of money with you. Um, and even then, it can be difficult if you're not as productive as you should be. Um, so that's sort of the nature of the sport, though, and it's one of those things that we, we've discussed ad, ad litem on here, uh, ad nauseum on here um, over the past several years. So it's kind of a... Uh, one of those turning point in the sport things, but there's never really major changes about that. Um, there's always the same sort of issues with not enough seats with a lot of really excellent drivers. Um, that's kind of the reason why I think that the late model series is expanding all out the, all through the country. Because um, if you go to a late model race, no matter where you go, there'll be at least one one you'll recognize from from the big name series, and that's kind of awesome to to see that. But then again, you think about it, and that's not the not the sort of thing those guys want to end up doing, and it uh, it just makes for a, a difficult time for some of those people. Let's go ahead and move on. Our first guest this evening will be Gavin Ernstone. Uh, he competes in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Round 7 of the 2019 Michelin Pilot Challenge was held recently at Road America, and the RSR crew were out for revenge after their challenging weekend at Lime Rock. They entered the weekend tied for third in points, 14 points behind the championship-leading number 98 Hyundai. As with most of the tracks on the schedule this year, RA was a new track for Earnstone. Thankfully, there was a tomorrow test that test day this time. He was able to get a fair number of laps around the four-mile circuit before the event started. As the weekend progressed, so did Earnstone, going faster with each session. Earnstone qualified 10th of the 13 cars on a single flying lap. 
deciding to park the car after his flyer because he knew he could race through the cars qualified directly ahead of him, and he wanted to save his tires for the race. In the Michigan Pilot Challenge, you start the race on the same tires that you qualify on. That strategy would have paid off if things had stayed dry. But as with many of the races this year, the weather turned shortly before the race began, and the team knew they were in for another wild one. The start of the race was delayed an hour due to lightning, and most of that hour was filled with heavy rain. By the time the lightning cleared up and the 10-minute call was given, the rain had stopped and the track had finally begun to dry slightly. The radar showed more rain was on the way, but it was difficult to predict when it would arrive and how hard it would come down. With no prior experience at Road America on the wet, the team decided to start Ernstone on rain tires. He quickly made the most of the decision by driving the greatest first lap of his career, charging from 10th to 5th by the end of lap 1. Ernstone continued to run quick laps and kept pace with the leaders throughout most of the stint. However, during the end of his stint, the track crossed over, meaning slick tires were now significantly faster than the old rain tires that Ernstone was on. The timing of his crossover gave the team an opportunity to put Morley in the car on slicks so they could keep pace with the leaders. Even that was a hard decision, though, as the radio looked pretty ominous. The team performed yet another great stop and got Morley out on slicks. There was a little drizzle in the first couple laps that subsided, and Morley was able to start gaining time, finding the second quickest lap of the race as he fought hard to catch the leaders. As promised, however, the rain on the horizon eventually arrived, and Morley got his first taste of it in the carousel, with his car sliding wide and nearly going off the track. He went one more lap on slicks to make sure the whole track was wet before pitting for rain tires. Once Morley got back on track, he barely had a chance to get his tires up to temperature before the four-course yellow was displayed. That lucky break gave Morley a wave around and allowed him to partially close in the field under yellow. He wasn't able to fully catch the field because he was stuck behind an alpha on slick tires. The alpha was doing his best to catch up, but the track was fully wet at that point, and he just couldn't make up the entire four miles to the pace car. Once it went green, Morley quickly disposed of the alpha and started to feel out the conditions of his rain tires. He only had one lap of drying of trying, however, before another full course yellow came out due to a crash in the kink. The crash was quickly cleaned up by the race by the great track crew there at Road America, and it was announced that there would be a one lap shootout to the checkers. This was great news for Morley, as he was mired in eighth place and the full course caution enabled him to catch back up to seven cars in front of him. Five of those cars run slick tires, with only the number 23 in the 7th and the number 21 in 2nd running on rain tires. When the green fell on the final rain start, restart, <laughs> Morley was on mission and drove as hard as he could try to reach the ladder. He made up to 5th by turn 5, but a failed pass attempt on the number 84 Honda in turn 6 cost him valuable time. He got hit by the, he got by the 84 in turn 8, but by then the top 3 had pulled a big enough gap to be a set of reach before the finish line. Morley crossed the line in fourth, disappointed missed the podium, while at the same time relieved that race went green for that final lap, and he, didn't finish, he hadn't finished in eighth under yellow. A few months later, the emotion changed dramatically inside the car. The team came on the radio and told Morley that number 89 Hart Honda, which had won, would be excluded from the race for violating a minimum drive time by nine whole seconds. Hart's loss would be road charges lane. As this meant, they were elevated to third place and head back to the podium. In spite of recording a series leading a fourth podium, Ernstone and Morley actually fell one point in the Drivers' Championship to fourth. The race-winning number 21 Hyundai moved past them into third overall. The good news, however, is they beat the number 98 Hyundai and therefore closed the gap to the championship leader by a few points, paring it down from 14 to 12. Three rounds remain, and the team is now fully gelled and full of confidence. While they fare well in the mixed-condition races this year, everyone's hoping for a dry race next time out to have a good old-fashioned shootout for the win. 
We are now pleased to welcome Gavin Ernstone to the program to find out a little bit more about him, the Michelin Pilot Challenge, and the team. Hello, how are you doing? How are team? you? I'm very well indeed. What I'm about doing you? Doing pretty well. Thank you for asking. Doing pretty well. Pretty well. The uh, the weather here is a little weird, but that's South Florida in the summertime for you. So uh, sure. First off, can you tell us a little, can you tell us a little bit more about the Michelin Pilot Challenge? Well, it's an IMSA-run series, uh, which is probably the top sports car uh, governing body in North America. Um, and then there are two different race days, as it were. Michelin Pilot Sport Cup is typically the Saturday race, and then we're a support race for the WeatherTech uh, Championship, which is typically the Sunday race. The WeatherTech race is prototypes uh, as well as sports cars. And then in our series in Michelin Pilot Sport Cup, it's uh, just a two two um, category series where you have the GS cars and the TCR cars. We drive a TCR car, which um, is an Audi car, and Audi are fantastic. And I, we think we've got the best car in the series with the Audi uh, RS3 LMS. I know there's a lot of NASCAR drivers who are starting to show up in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. How do you feel about that? And do you think that'll be a good or a bad thing for the series? Um, I'm not sure who uh, from NASCAR drivers are in, in the Michelin Pilot Sport Challenge. There's a lot of sports car guys uh, who have been around uh, for a while. Um, but I, uh, that I'm aware, I don't think of any of the NASCAR guys are in uh, Pilot Sport Cup. Okay. And I know you're, you're doing well in the, the uh, championship hunt. Where do you sit in there right now? We're fourth at the moment. Uh, it's been a very interesting season. Uh, we were really unfortunate at the beginning of the season. Um, we raced at Daytona, and we actually led at Daytona and had a, an, an engine issue that w went undetected. Um, so we had a failure in Daytona, and then that carried on through to Sebring. So we were really kind of mired after the first two races of the season. Uh, we grabbed a second... In, at Mid-Ohio, which was our first podium. Uh, this is our first ever pro year, so it's been very exciting for us anyway to get a podium, and that was our first in second. And then the immediate race after that, we got another podium, taking us a third place, uh, and then Watkins Glen, we got third again, so we had three podiums in a row. That put us, uh, we got up to second in the championship, then we had Lime Rock, which was a bad race for us, that dropped us down to equal third, and then the last race, even though we podiumed in third place, the car that was in fourth won the race, so they leapfrogged us, so now we're fourth. But it's very, very tight in the championship, and we actually made some headway on the lead car. So although we're fourth, we're only 12 points out the lead. I think we're five points away from second, five or six points away from second, and I think one or two points away from third. So three races to go. Uh, very, very excited to be doing the next three races. I think that we're going to be very competitive in the next three. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's good prospects for the championship and, again, very exciting for us. What's your favorite track that the series competes on? Well, this year, these tracks primarily have been all new to me. Daytona was amazing. Uh, just because of the atmosphere and the history. Uh, the first time you drive around the banking in Daytona, uh, with all the crowd there, etc., it's, uh, it's awe-inspiring from a racer um, who's you know, been a race fan for many, many years, uh, obviously been there to watch NASCAR races, etc. Um, and that was absolutely incredible. From a driving standpoint, I really, really enjoyed Road America, which was our last race. 
Uh, it also, it rained for my uh, beginning of my stint to that, and I love driving in the rain. And so I really, really enjoyed that track in the wet. Uh, but again, it was just a lovely atmosphere. Everybody around Road America is just really into racing. It's a little town called El- Elkhart Lake um, in Wisconsin. And it's a tiny little town, but everybody's super, super into racing in the track and, and loves it. And so you see lovely old classic cars out there. You see great races in the bars and everything around. And there's so much history to it, as well as being a phenomenal track and just very enjoyable. So, so far, those have been my two favorites for sure. Um, But we'll see. We get to go to uh, VIR next, uh, which I just worked with John Morley on the sim actually yesterday, learning the track. And it looks like I think we're both going to really, really like it. John's raced at VIR a number of times, uh, and he's very quick there. And again, just going from the sim, I think it's going to suit my driving style well. And then after that, we have Laguna Seca, which is our only West Coast race. And because I'm West Coast based, uh, obviously, that's got to be a favorite as well. So not a direct one track answer. Uh, I think all three tracks are great. uh, And we've really enjoyed them. Growing up, who was your racing idol? Uh, Unequivocally, Ayrton Senna. I grew up watching Ayrton. Um, I've watched Formula One races from the age of five, uh, which so my first idol was probably James Hunt, um, because James Hunt was the uh, British Grand Prix and uh, Formula One World Championship winner uh, back in 75 and then 76. And um, after that, I really followed Ayrton Senna. I loved everything that he did, and I, I think I watched every single race that he raced in. And what is your ultimate racing goal? Well, um, you know, really just been living the dream in racing. Last year we raced um, at what's called a VLN race in the Nürburgring in Germany, uh, another iconic and historic track. Uh, And certainly I think uh, so far has been my favorite track that I've ever raced. Lots and lots of history there. It's a 90-year-old track. um, And I think we're going to try and do a 24-hour race there uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, we're also going to race um, 24 hours of Spa uh, next year. Um, the, the series that we run in, the, the car category is called TCR. And the great thing with TCR is they're racing all around the world. So I can literally take my car to anywhere in the world and race it. So I really just want to do some of these incredible countries and you know, race against uh, different people around the world. Uh, specifically in that car. My immediate goal is we want to win a championship. Um, you know, it's, we're definitely in contention, and it would absolutely be a dream to win a championship. <laughs> but, of course, we're going to need to win a race, and we haven't done that yet uh, in this championship. So we'll see what happens um, next weekend, but we're really hoping for a win. So two immediate goals would definitely be win a race followed by winning the championship this season. Awesome. Well, we'd like to wish you lots of luck next next weekend as well as the rest of the season. Hopefully you end up with a, with a championship, if not this year, maybe next season. And uh, thank you very much for coming on the program tonight. I really appreciate that. And obviously all of our races are televised on NBC Sports, and um, we get great support from Audi and obviously Simply Vegas. So thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Once again, that was Gavin Ernstone from Road Shagger Racing. They race in the Mission Pilot Challenge, and they also have some other other races all around the world that they're considering competing in, and that's pretty cool, the way the TCR class is set up. And I think that's one of the great things about the International Motorsports Association, how they were able to do that.
Let's go ahead and take a brief break here and listen to a selection from Ron Pastana and the pit crew. This is Short Track Racing.
Hi, this is Shay Holbrook from Larson Motorsports, Jet Dragster Driver in the IHRA Nitro Jam Drag Racing Series, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. Are you a race car driver, chief pit member, track owner? Maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Contact either Michael Lally or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame. I'd love to hear from you. The first energy mid-Ohio 100 featuring the Trans Am series presented by Pirelli. Trans Am Super GT and GT classes saw a dogfight at the front of the field for the entire 43 lap race Saturday at the mid-Ohio sports car course. In the end, Ernie Francis Jr. managed to keep Chris Dyson in his rearview mirror to capture his second victory of the season. In the SGT class, Mark Bowden took the green flag from pole and never looked back, opening a lead of over 23 seconds over second place Ken Twaits before the race ending yellow came out. 21 entries took the green flag in the TA SGT GT event, held in conjunction with the NASCAR Xfinity Series event at Mid-Ohio. The first race on the Saturday card, the teams dealt with dramatically different weather circumstances than they had earlier in the weekend, with cloudy and cool conditions from the early morning event. The field included late entry, sports car legend Boris Said, making his 2019 series debut in the number two SRI performance Dodge Challenger that arrived at Bidden, Ohio late Friday. Pole sitter Ernie Francis Jr. started his number 98 frame the Shower Doors Ford Mustang in the TA and overall pole position, looking to repeat his mid-Ohio win of 2018. But Chris Dyson, winner of two straight TA class races and driving the retro liveried number 20 Thetfold Norcold Ford Mustang, would not allow Francis Jr. a moment of comfort on the tight, twisty, and technical 13-torn, 2.258-mile mid-Ohio circuit. The duo fought hard throughout the race, with Francis Jr. able to pass, able to post a three-second lead early. But Dyson came back mid-race with a succession of quick race laps as the pair separated from the rest of the field. Doug Pearson, pulling double duty this weekend in both TA and his regular TA2 drive, tried valiantly to stay in the fight, but head for pit road on lap 10 with a mechanical issue. Handing third position to Adam Andretti in the number 17 engineer components, Anchor Bold Chevrolet Corvette. On lap 39, the GT class entry of Larry Funk in the number 64 business advisory services Ford Mustang went wide of turn 9 and hardened the barrier in turn 10, leaving a significant debris field that could not be cleaned before the race end, with a checkered flag waving at the 65-minute mark. Ohio natives Amy Ruman and Dave Pinterak finished 4th and 5th respectively. Said team poised for a charge to the field, climbed as high as 4th, before mechanical issues placed him back in the field with a 13th place finish. Meanwhile, the SGT race was a tail balanced by Mark Bowden in the number 46 beverage Flavors International Porsche 991 GT3 Cup, who held a sizable lead over Ken Thwaites in the number 35 Wild Willwood Brakes Franklin Road Apparel Audi R8 LMS. Neither Thwaites nor number 44 Lemons of Love Porsche 991 GT3 Cup car driver Tim Tisman could post a charge at Bowden, who captured his second win of the season. Ernie Francis Jr. also succumbed at Trans Am Cool Shirt Systems Cool Move of the Race. Next up for the Trans Am presented by Pirelli Series will be the Ryan Company's Road America Classic on August 22nd through the 24th. For live timing and scoring, event photos, and post-race recap videos, visit GoTransAm.com. For live race updates, follow at GoTransAm on Twitter. we got a couple of minutes now, and we're going to be welcoming Ernie Francis Jr. back again. But let's go ahead and listen to another short selection from Bronzo Sana and the pit crew. We are in the zone.
We are once again pleased to welcome Ernie Francis Jr. back to the program and wish to congratulate him on his victory in Mid-Ohio. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the race went? Well, the race went really good for us. I mean, uh, we definitely went in there knowing we could make up a, bu- a bunch of points. We had a rough start to our season with uh, with some DNFs at Sebring and then a, uh, a black flag at Road, Road Atlanta. So we knew Mid-Ohio had to be kind of the start of our rebound of our season. And, uh, yeah, it went really good for us. We were fast right off the trailer. We've always been good around Mid-Ohio. It's a very technical track. Uh, kind of suits our driving style and, and our, the way our chassis handling is. And uh, led pretty much every session and uh, led the race from uh, start to finish. I know you already have one, one other victory in the Trans Am Series so far this season. Where do you sit in the championship hunt right now? Uh, we sit second now in the championship hunt. We're about uh, three points behind Chris, uh, Chris Dyson. Who's leading? Uh, so we're back in the back in the chase. Uh, I think we have a pretty good shot now. Uh, we've been kind of clawing our way back since the beginning of the season, and I think uh, we're at a point now where we can really give them a fight uh, going into the next round uh, next week at Road America. Can you tell us a little bit of how you got started in the Trans Am series. So I pretty much got my start in the Trans Am Series when I was about uh, 15 years old. I uh, started racing in the TA4 class, um, getting started out there, won a championship there, um, did another year in the TA4, and then uh, moved on into the TA3 class for a year, um, and then finally decided to make the switch up to the to the top level in, of TA. Um, I've always kind of liked the Trans Am Series. I, I like muscle cars and and V8 race cars, I've always kind of had a passion for that, uh, growing up around all that kind of racing. So I knew it was somewhere that I wanted to race as I was growing up, and I know all the big names that race out there have been through the Trans Am ranks, so I figured I might as well start there. What's your most memorable moment so far? I think uh, the most memorable moment that we have is just uh, winning our second Trans Am TA class championship. Um, the first one, we definitely had to work for, but I think uh, securing a second championship in a row kind of showed that we were here to stay. We meant business, and uh, and we were definitely a force to be reckoned with in the series. What was that? Oh, sorry, you broke up there when you were speaking. What's your favorite track? Uh, favorite track for me? That's a tough one. I, I get that question a lot, and it's, uh, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, there's there's a lot of different tracks that I love going to, um, a lot of tracks that I really enjoy driving on. One of my favorites has to be Seaburn National Raceway. Um, it's one of my home tracks. I've been racing there since I was a little kid. I've been going there since uh, since before I could walk, and uh, it's always been a place that I've been in love with. Um, I could I know that place by heart, and uh, and I can drive around with my eyes closed. I know it's been a, a kind of tough year, uh, tough few years for motorsports in general. Um, the attendance has gone up and down, uh, down a lot more than up in, in large. How healthy do you think the Trans Am Series is right now? I think the Trans Am Series is starting to come back. I, I, I think it had a rough uh, couple years beforehand when it started getting uh, up and started again. But I think it's it's getting more and more attention as the years go on. Uh, we're getting bigger fields with uh, TA, TA2, SGT, and GT, and uh, the fan attendance is really good. Um, people are watching these races. They're interested in what's going on, 
And frankly, I think we put on a great show for people to watch. I think uh, fans miss some of the old school, loud V8 engines, uh, fire fire shooting out of the exhaust, no ABS, no traction control. It's really the drivers uh, doing all the work in these cars. And I think fans like that. And I think uh, all they have to do is come out to a race and watch it to uh, fall in love. Andy, Andy, quite a bit. You're about to cost racing and other customers here. What's your ultimate racing goal? I think for me, uh, ultimate goal is I just want to make a living out of racing. Um, that's kind of always been my my goal and ambition um, has been to uh, has been to make a career out of this, and I think I'm on the path to doing that. Uh, starting off with racing in World Challenge and then Trans Am. So I don't really have a preference of where I want to race in. Um, I just want to make it a career. I think some goals of mine to actually do is maybe like race in the 24 hours of Daytona, 24 hours of Le Mans are kind of like big uh, races that I'd love to, to partake in one day. But I think for right now, I just want to make a career out of this. Well, Awesome. And uh, we'd like to wish you lots of luck in the in next weekend's race, and hopefully you have a, a good week, and, and maybe you'll end up getting the championship again this year. That would be pretty cool. Thanks for having the program so. tonight. Yep, thank you. Thank you, and have a great Yep, you too. Once again, that was Aaron Francis Jr. who competes in the Trans Am Series. He recently won the, the last race. Ohio He's going in the works out pretty well for him there. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash speedway digest. The Speedway Digest Radio Network.com website is currently undergoing we will see it comes back on check it out. On blog talk radio on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I tried to keep all the uh, the website up to date there with uh, pictures of past guests as well as stories about things going on in motorsports. Um, originally, I tried to get the article from Speedway Digest.com, but I put a copy to there, but that isn't what I originally hoped. So just check that out on Facebook by Thursday Digest. There's Night Thunder. I also invite you to read all the articles covering all aspects of our sports at speedwaydigest.com. Today I put a few in the the racing news section as well as a couple of speedwaydigest.com. Try and get them on the program in the next few weeks. Uh, we were successful. We're going to go ahead and announce it now just to knock on would hear early in two weeks we're going to be talking to past NASCAR champion Bobby Labonte. It'd be pretty awesome to get you know, on the 29th of August at a little after 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So be sure to tune in for that. We're also working on, on getting other NASCAR stars as well as whoever else is interested in being on the program who has any sort of interest in, in the world of motorsports. As I stated in the a few moments ago, please go ahead if you're interested and contact us by going through the Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder Facebook page 
or you can contact me from speedwaydigest.com. My information is there all over the article I write for the site in the racing news section of the page. Be sure to check that out. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who is it, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Four Plums Fantastic Finds, which can be found at Four Plums Fantastic Finds. That's all one word. P-L-U-M-B-S Fantastic Finds dot WordPress.com. We have some stuff going on the page as well. We recently restarted our Tasty Days segment, which we have a bunch of any recipes from Chef Delicious, who is one of the greatest chefs in South Florida. She used to be a restaurant chef, and she has a lot more prep. Uh, most of the stuff that she does is vegan friendly. Some of it is raw vegan. It all looks pretty amazing, and she also has lots of great connections in the in the area to uh, the latest food news and trends. And she keeps us up to date on Thursdays, most Thursdays, at Football Plum's Fantastic Finds. Uh, we also have been covering a lot of upcoming Halloween events. Um, as pretty much all of you should know, Halloween begins tomorrow as he's not so scary. Halloween party takes place at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World Resort in Buena Vista, Florida. In only a couple weeks, the Halloween really kicks into gear as Halloween Horror Nights opens up at Universal Orlando. We are covering all of those events on Football Plum's Fantastic Finds. A lot more information about Universal and their Halloween Horror Nights because there's also a lot of information about that coming out. Um, Bush Gardens Hollow Scream is also going to be taking place weekends in September and October as well as local Halloween events such as Fright Nights at the South Florida Fairgrounds, Enigma Haunt, which takes place in Boca Raton at the Enigma Haunt facility. We're also going to be trying to cover a little bit of Extreme Halloween, which takes place at the G-Star School of the Arts, which is in Palm Springs, Florida, as well as a few other little Halloween events here and there throughout town. Um, I know there's a Climatic by Fright event and all sorts of things like that. We're going to be highlighting a whole lot of amazing people who work in the Halloween industry, uh, scare actors and that sort of thing. We have already profiled ones from Enigma Haunt as well as ones from Fright Nights. And you can find those very easily by searching for Halloween on the For Four Plums Fantastic Finds.wordpress.com website there. That is one of the best ways of finding all that. I do have it very well organized, if I do say so myself with the keywords and different ways of organizing. Check that out. Works pretty easy. As I stated, we do have a great lineup of shows and guests coming up on this program. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking with at least one driver. I believe there might be two drivers now. The following week, as I stated, we're going to be talking to Bobby Labonte, which would be pretty cool. I have some great stories about Bobby Labonte that I'm going to be sharing with him and also sharing with you. So it'll be interesting to talk to them and see how that goes. Uh, I believe next week we're going to be talking to a, a driver from the NASCAR Xfinity Series as well as his girlfriend. It'll be sort of our homage to the NASCAR Wives Series. 
which is currently airing on CMT as well as VH1, Racing Lives, I believe is the title of it. I did watch one episode, honestly it's not for me, but I'm hoping that Michael Mullally could give us a review of that in the future. She's also supposed to be back on the program next week, hopefully, if not next week, then the following week, and she'll be reviewing the NHRA Northwest Nationals. I know there's a really long name for it, um, so you can check that out on the Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder Facebook page, as well as the Michael Mullally fan page on Facebook. Uh, she had four interviews that she was able to get at the Northwest Nationals. Uh, she talked to Greg Anderson. She talked to the president of the of the Speedway. She talked to a driver in the Junior Dragsters. And she talked to a rider in Nitro Harley. All four of those are very good interviews. They they give you a lot of insight and information about what was going on at the track at the time. And hopefully we can do a few more live reviews in the future. I think that, that actually makes the site a little bit better for all of us race fans out there. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening to the program this evening. I know there were a few technical issues, as was pointed out by our last guest. And as I could tell by listening over my headset here, but it seems like it went together pretty well. And we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome, as Michael and myself, hopefully, will be once again discussing the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. In the next few days, I'll go ahead and give an update as to who the next set of guests will be for next week. I do have them written down somewhere. And they're set to be confirmed in the next few days, just so we're, we're clear as to who we're going to be talking to next week. Again, have a great night, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in 